Morning, Connection Point Church. How are we doing? All right, that's pretty good. Well, happy Father's Day to the fathers today. Um, I thought about what would be the best way to celebrate fathers. Uh, the dad jokes were good, but really, I, I want to do two things today. The whole message is leading to two things. First of all, um, there's a gift at the end that everybody's going to get that I think is kind of the purpose of the entire message. Uh, but also, I'm going to try to preach my shortest message of the year for the fathers. I thought that's the best gift I could probably give <laughs> to any dads. And the fact that it's raining, it's Father's Day, there's a lot of factors. Father's Day is the one day, usually it's a lower day because a lot of the dads, what do you want to do today? And most, a lot of dads, surprisingly, don't want to come listen to me preach. So I don't hold that against you. I understand the one day of Father's Day. And so I'm going to try to give that gift to you today. But i got to quit talking to get there. So um, so let's go ahead and, um, and uh, pick up where we left off. Last week we had a great uh, um, response to the message last uh, week. Thank you, Joey. There was, uh, we preached about Paul being in prison in uh, Philippi. And we had just, I had a, even today I had some people come up and say, man, it really impacted me last week. And so we're going to pick up right from there of Paul uh, leaving Philippi. And I think that this is kind of a, a continuation in the message today I want to talk to you about is simply, uh, I want to introduce it with just a question. When was the last time that you let God change your mind? When was the last time that you changed your mind on anything significant, really? I was thinking about this uh, most of the time when I look on social media, when we look on uh, anything on the computer, it, it's pretty much just preaching to the choir, right? We, the last time you looked at Facebook, you didn't say, you know what, I've never seen it. You know what, I'm no longer a Democrat. I'm a Republican now because you said that or vice versa. We've never, I've never even heard of that happening. But when it comes to who we want to be as maturing Christians, we want to be people that are maturing, that are actually uh, having our, our faith shaped. And so I, I thought about this question, and for me, there are two times that just became obvious. For me, a, a few years ago, I was having a conversation uh, with several people, and I made a comment in front of a couple of other pastors. I made a comment of, I think that uh, it is commanded that every Christian should give a tithe, and that basically if you're not giving a tithe, you are disobedient, being disobedient. And I had a pastor who heard me say that, and he came, and he actually reprimanded me. He, he, didn't, he did it in a, in a gentle way, but he pulled me aside away from everyone, and he said, do you think you could, you know, defend that scripturally? And I, and I actually did. I began to uh, tell him why I believed that. And he said, I just want to let you know something to consider. He said, if I preach that in my church, and he has a very good church, uh, if I preached that in my church the way you said that, my elders would have pulled me aside and they would have, uh, they would have chastised me. They would have uh, counseled me on that. And I just want to give you that for consideration to study that a little bit. And at first, the way that uh, most of us receive criticism or anything like that, I was very defensive at first, and I went through all my list of why I believed what I believed, um, but it started me on a journey, and over uh, a couple of years of uh, talking with people that I trust, of examining, I actually read some books uh, on this idea, and I began to really see that, that really what I believe is in uh, radical generosity, 
and that really there's a lot of freedom for a, a specifically Gentile, this is getting into some minutia, but into a Gentile uh, believers that really we should be overly generous, but that this command, this magical 10% is not really a command that, the, uh, that a, a Christian that is not a Jewish believer, but a Christian uh, would actually, instead of holding to this 10%, that generosity. And I know some of you might even be thinking, wow, Joel must be tight on money right now. And so he's, he's kind of loosening. But really, what, what, as I studied this, it didn't loosen anything for me. It made me see that the call for a Christian is radical generosity. That, that is that we, we are called to be very, very generous, but this idea that if I, as long as I hit this standard, I'm in good standing with God, that idea is what, uh, um, is what he was challenging me on. And I wrestled and I wrestled and I wrestled, and, I, and you may not have even noticed, but um, most of the time when I get up and talk about and, and, and present the opportunity to giving, when we talk about the offering, when I talk about the offering, now we, we talk about generosity a lot more than you need to give 10%. Now, I'll tell you, I still give 10% or, or more, and I believe that 10% is a great place to start. But when it comes to my actual belief of, is this a standard that if you don't make it, that you are somehow not in right standing with God or that you're being disobedient, my, my, my belief has changed, and it, it changed because not only was I challenged on it, but that I also took that as an opportunity to say, you know what, maybe I've got to learn a little bit more. Maybe I don't, even though I'm a, a pastor of a church, maybe I don't know everything. And who knows, I may learn more in the next couple of weeks that man, who may, maybe I'll go the, you know, figure it out, but, I, but I've got to pursue it. Another time this happened in my life was a few years ago, uh, we had the, the, um, the, the, I can't remember what was the Charlottesville, yes, the the racial uh, attacks in Charlottesville, and we had that whole thing going. And, and I was actually on sabbatical at that time. And when that happened, um, I saw it. It was disturbing to see that there were just overt racist white supremacists walking the streets. I, I personally found that abhorrent, but uh, I didn't really say anything. And in fact, kind of my belief that was underlying before that was. As a white guy, I really uh, don't want to just insert myself into, into this, that uh, I, I didn't feel I fully had a place. And I also, I, I strayed away from politics in, in a lot of regions. But then I had one of our members call me, and uh, he, he was uh, African-American, and he called me, and he, he basically said, hey, this is what I feel because of this because this instance happened, but he said, your silence on this. He said, do you understand that I'm a member of your church? And he said, your silence on this issue, the fact that somebody can stand up and, and say basically that black people aren't welcome in our country, and then for you to be silent on this makes me wonder when I go to church if I'm even safe in my own church. And I had never considered that, and it made me, be, and it, it made me reconsider the way that I respond to racial, re, racial reconciliation. In fact, it made me uh, begin to at least put a, a seed in my heart that uh, not only are we not where we need to be, but this has to be something that we continue to pursue. In fact, we very quickly after that uh, began to pursue a relationship with Connect Church across the street and continue to this day. I spoke to Pastor Ken uh, pretty much every week now. Um, but all that to say, I, I, I've really 
looked into my life and understood that there's not a lot of us who embrace change when it comes to our own opinion, whether it's politics, especially when it comes to religious beliefs. And this idea of when was the last time you can really say on a major core belief in my life, I have reevaluated or I have grown or I've actually changed my opinion. Well, today I want to talk about this because I think one of the most Dangerous things you can do in your life is stay stagnant. It's to stay where you are and not grow. And and if we don't let our beliefs mature and grow, well, then that's a a sure sign that we are going to miss out on what God, on the new things God is doing. And so as we pick up today, I want to uh, pick up with just really one verse to focus on. We're going to be in Acts chapter 17. I'm going to start at verse uh, 10, and we're just going to read three verses to give a little context. But um, there's one verse, verse 11, that I want to pull all of my thoughts from uh, in this message. If you remember, let me give context before I start reading. If you remember, we were in Philippi last week. Paul was miraculously freed from prison. The jailer was converted. and, And from there... Paul sets off on what's called the Via Ignacio, which is uh, a well-known road. In fact, it's still, you can still find it today. If you go to connectionpoint.life and you click on the sermon notes for today, you'll see a picture of the Via Ignacio. And and the interesting thing about this is that it's a well-known road. We know exactly where Paul was traveling. And so he's going from Philippi, and and he goes through uh, uh, one city on his way to Thessalonica. And in Thessalonica, Paul starts a church. He starts this church, but some of the people uh, that are Jewish, uh, they rise up against him, and they actually take to court, or or take uh, uh, the people who are housing him to court, basically. And there is an amount of money that has to be put up, and if they catch Paul and Silas in the house of these believers, then they will have to forfeit the bond that 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 these people are being put up on. So Paul and Silas decide... Let's get away from here. We don't want to cause any more trouble to, the, to these believers. Jason was the name of the owner of the house. And so in order to save Jason some money of, of the bond and, and the legal implications of this, Paul and Silas leave the main road, the Via Ignacio, and they go south. They go to this place called Berea. And it's just kind of in the country. This is uh, off the beaten path, so to speak. And we um, know a lot about this place. But what's interesting is, they get there, they go immediately to the synagogue, and that's where we pick up. Is there, Paul and Silas have had this experience where, the, yes, they started this church in Thessalonica. Uh, Paul is going to write letters, um, First and Second Thessalonians, he, he, at least two letters. He probably wrote more. And he gets to Berea, though. He gets to where we're going in kind of a running away from. He's had this big high of being freed from jail, but then he's had this thing where he was almost thrown in jail again, and it's getting exhausting to him. He's, he's having some victories, but he's also being per- persecuted everywhere he goes. So it says this in verse 10. It says, The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now the Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed, with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowd. 
And so the pattern he has is he's going to these synagogues. They are uh, stirring things up. People don't either don't like it, but there's always a few that do. There's always a few that kind of get it. But what I want to focus on today is this statement that the Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. More noble. It's interesting. Have you ever thought that, you know, all churches are the same, but is there a, a possibility we could be more noble by our faithfulness? In, in verse 11, there's three things I want to key in on, okay? Very, very simple. Three things. This idea, first of all, that they received with eagerness. They received the word of God with eagerness. I want you to think about that. When was the last time? And, and this, this, my heart goes out to, to fathers, specifically to men, because this is something I think that most of us don't consider. But when was the last time you eagerly received the, a word from God? Eagerly. You know, there are two things as I was thinking about this, of, of why I think we don't eagerly anticipate a word from God, that sometimes maybe when it comes to reading our Bible, when it comes to pursuing the questions of God, we get a little bit, uh, a little bit apathetic, if you will. One of the things is that uh, I think most of us have a belief that we know it all already. And one of the things that you see here is there's, that immediately they didn't believe they know it all. They receive it in other words, they are taking in what Paul is saying and they are, they are looking at it because they have this belief, this core belief, I don't know everything. Now, this is a hard because if you're, this is, I'm going to say, I don't want to offend anyone here, but if you're under 40, you naturally have this belief that you understand pretty much everything, okay? If you're over 40, you pretty much have this belief that you know nothing and you never will be able to understand. At least that's my experience is I thought I knew it all. And then about 40, I realized I don't know nothing. I don't know nothing. See, I can't even speak. <laughs> I, I, not only do I not really know much, but the things I thought I knew, well, they're not even, you know, correct. And I don't know that I'll ever know it. But it's very, very interesting. I still to this day meet so many people that come to church uh, and this idea, this arrogance of we know everything there is to know about God, it seems to be more prevalent in the people who spend less time with God. In fact, the number of people who uh, I know don't pursue God daily, but yet will come to me and say, well, I just couldn't believe in a God who, and then they fill in the blank with whatever, and they'll tell me something about God that, that is a, a fact and I'll tell you, I think that's an awful way to go about pursuing God. It is, first of all, that statement, I, I could never believe in a God who. You know, I could never believe in a God who would create a beautiful world and then put tiny little insects in it that would come and suck blood out of my ankles. But yet here we are, okay? There's a lot of things about God that, uh, that I would not, have, would, I would never even grant you this is a possibility except for the fact I don't get to tell God who he is. I understand I don't know it all. But not only do they have the idea that they don't know it all, they're ready to receive it because they also have this belief that if they receive this word, that it can change their life. And this is another thing that I see so much uh, in my interactions with many people is that there, there are, sometimes we're so caught in our, that we already know what it is, we already know how to do life, 
that we're not willing to be changed. We're not um, willing to even entertain the idea that maybe there's another way to live our life that can bring us more joy, more satisfaction, or maybe answer some of these questions. And, and so I will tell you that uh, when it comes to the simplest truths of the Bible, things that if whenever you hear them, you're like, oh, yeah, 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 I've heard that. But actually living them can absolutely change everything about your life. Listen, forgiving your enemies, we've all heard that, right? If any of us actually went through life forgiving all of our enemies, it would change everything about your life. I want to make that clear. And it would, it would change things at home. There are times when my kids view me as their enemy. There are times when I view them as my enemy. There's times when my wife may view me as her enemy. But that idea that, you know what, I'm going to forgive at all costs, that can change your life. If you were to look and say, you know what, there may be things about my marriage that God could actually speak into that could change the course of my marriage. Because there's so many people, there's so many of us in this very room who have these moments in our marriage where it, it, it seems hopeless. Can I ever get through this? But yet we close our mind to the opportunity. You know what? Maybe I really should not just understand, no, but I should actually do what the Bible commands and just try it out. But yet we close our mind to the idea that, that the Bible, that pursuing and actually receiving the Word of God can change our mind. And so I, I was thinking about uh, just about this concept that, that, that I know so many people who are reluctant to receive the Word of God eagerly. You know, I, this past week I had a, a conversation with my brother. Um, about the ascension of Jesus. Now, doesn't that sound riveting? But I, I want to tell you how it started. It started with uh, a couple of books I read on uh, quantum physics, which don't get, they're dumbed down books. Okay, don't get too uh, um, impressed by that. And, and astrophysics. But it was this idea that, I'm not sure if you know this. I was trying to explain this to him. You're probably going to look at me the way he looked at me. But I said, did you know that Time is relative, that that's what Einstein basically found, that time is relative. And if you go the speed of light, you're actually going to be younger than somebody who's not going the speed of light. Did you know if you're on an airplane, you're technically going to be younger when you land than the people who didn't get on the airplane? You won't be able to notice it, but technically you'll have aged less. In fact, if I, this is going somewhere, trust me, if I was able to go the speed of light, I could go to the end of the universe and back, and it would only age me about a hundred years. But you on earth who didn't go at the speed of light, you would actually have, have had billions, hundreds of billions of years would have passed. You would all be dead and gone. You would be crude oil in the ground if this even existed. But yet I would come back, and I would just be a young, spry, 142-year-old man. All this to say, I was reading this, and I had this conversation with my brother where it just threw open a question to me. You know, the Bible says Jesus ascended into heaven. And I've always just kind of assumed in my mind that he just kind of ascended to the edge of the universe. <laughs> I've never really thought about this. But I said, technically, if that's the way it happened, Jesus is still ascending right now for us. His reaction was about the same. And I just began to think about this. I was like, this poses so many questions to me, but here's what. This is probably not a safe place to present it in church. Usually I would not even throw this idea out, except to prove the point that I had this moment with my brother 
where I have this safe place where I can actually ask an absurd question. But the question, ultimately, we could not answer, by the way. But it brought me back to this idea that, hey, God is obviously bigger and he's more, more uh, intellectual. I was going to say more smarter. He's, he's obviously so much more than I could ever comprehend, and any of us could. But yet, the safe place that I had in this conversation with my brother where he didn't look at me as a heretic and say, you know what, are you questioning the ascension of Jesus? Which I'm not. I take it and I, I, I try to put it into context, though, of maybe this happens or the meaning is different. God obviously is not bound the way that we thought he's bound if we see the ascension of Jesus. But my conversations with my brother go to the craziest places sometimes. I've had the conversation a couple of times of what if we find aliens? Do, they have, do we have to go convert them or does Jesus do something else for them? Questions that only pastors ask, right? The only reason I say this is that I have eager conversations with my brother about really big things in the Bible, but they're sometimes absurd and sometimes they borderline on heresy for a moment as I try to figure it out. But it has to have this safe place where I can figure out, is, is tithing biblical? Is, is that something we should be pursuing? Is racial reconciliation? That was a conversation I had with my brother so many times in which I, at some points I felt like a racist just asking the question. And then we get to these absurd things, but they're really big theological, did the ascension of Jesus really happen? Of course, I believe it did. But how did it happen? That, that's something that wrestles with my faith. For me, for a long time, I've wrestled with this idea. I don't know. It's easier for me to believe that Jesus rose from the dead, but the idea that he ascended into heaven, where is the right hand? There are so many questions that I, as a, as a pastor, wrestled with. And I have to have a safe place where I can actually say, I can pursue this. But there are so many of us that do not even pursue it. We don't ever let our mind go into those things. I don't know why we have this limit. And I just want to say, the curiosity, be curious, is the first thing I would tell you about having an eager faith. Is I would rather have somebody who's curious about knowing the truth of God than someone who has already decided they know everything about God. Curiosity and the willingness to eagerly receive even new and possibly crazy ideas is invaluable to your faith because that eagerness, that curiosity spurs on your growth. And one of the things I love about this church that Paul finds in Berea as he's escaping is he finds this curiosity, this openness of being willing to, to at least entertain. Is this what this man says is true? Because understand, what Paul is presenting to the church in Berea is heresy inside that church. It is just a synagogue. It is a Jewish place. The reason that there are people pursuing him is because many people believe it is heresy. But yet he finds a safe group of people who are willing to at least know his heart. This man is pursuing God. And I'll at least, with curiosity, I, I, I will eagerly receive it. But the next thing is, look what happens next. It says right after he, they, they eagerly received it, it says they began to ex, um, examine the scriptures daily. Now, it's not okay to just be curious, but never really go back to the word and, and never begin to really pursue it. This is where we get dangerous ideas. There's somebody who has one idea and they never go back to it. They never 
actually study it. They never actually take the time to invest. What does the Bible actually say? Now listen, the, my comment on when, how often should you read the Bible, this is one of those things that in, in my family we say it like this. We say, every day, okay? Every day. How often should you at least engage every day, okay? But here's the thing. It says they examined every day. And I know for, for most people, the idea of doing everything every day is exhausting. If you're a dad and you're like, oh, so from this I get homework where every day I get to go read. That's just what I wanted to do. But listen, here's what I would say to you. There are things that you do every day that you like doing, okay? You like uh, eating, right? You like these things. For me, the, the, the single mo- the best, most practical piece of advice I could give you if you want to learn how to examine the scriptures daily and pursue the scriptures daily is to to not think of it as I've got to read or I've got to go read my Bible. That is not how you build eagerness. Instead, what I do is I actually make my morning, I do it in the morning, but I actually make the entire experience something I enjoy. And so I couple my Bible reading with other things I enjoy. Now, I love the Bible. Don't hear me wrong. But I get up every morning before my kids wake up. That's point number one, okay? In the peace and quiet, I love that, okay? I get coffee, big part of my experience. I love coffee. And then I also love being outside, and I just love seeing things awaken. And so I'll either go outside on my patio. Sometimes I'll sit. We have a, kind of a little nook that we have. And I will, I will read in a peaceful place that I anticipate that even if I didn't have my Bible, I would still just go and sit there in the mornings and drink my coffee. And it's in that context that I read my Bible. And I read simply to, to, to I, I go through the Bible on the Bible app. And I just read, I do about three chapters a day. It could be that you just do a couple of verses. But I would, if you want to know how do you eagerly examine the scriptures every day, I would encourage you to think about the entire experience of what do you, what are some things that you love that you could make your experience with God's world, word entirely uh, um, different, that you could actually anticipate it. I'll sometimes listen to the Bible on the Bible app rather than read it. And I think that's a great way where I can sit, watch, I I can look at nature, I can watch the sunrise while I'm listening to God talk about Ezekiel lately. It hadn't really coincided, it's been a little off, but uh, um, Ezekiel is kind of a harsh book. But as I read through it, I can still be shaped every single day. Now the last thing he says is this. He says that they eagerly received it. That they did this every day. They would examine the scriptures on their own. They would take the teaching and they would go examine it on their own. But they said to to see if these things were so. And here's the biggest thing I would tell you about being curious, about pursuing uh, um, theological ideas that maybe are outside the bounds of what you would hear in Sunday school growing up or or, uh, ideas that maybe you're wondering that you don't have the courage to ask yet is... When, they say, when it says to see if these things are so, what it's saying is they anchored their ideas, their foundation of their belief in the orthodoxy, in what they already knew to be true. They anchored it in the scriptures, okay? It is a safe, it is okay for you to pursue every idea as long as you know I am anchored in the scripture, scripture that what is going to test if it's so or not if it's true or not, is does it correspond with God's word? That is a key, is that 
most of us don't even think we have permission to pursue our, our deepest questions, the questions that we wouldn't ask, because we don't think we, 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 we should even go there. But I want to tell you that what we see in Berea is we see these believers who were willing to receive this revelation from God, but they took it serious every single day. They examined it, and they were anchored in the truth. They were anchored in the scriptures. In other words, they were not trying to change the word of God. They were willing to be changed by the word of God. Every single time I've ever pursued uh, um, an idea that, that scared me about the Bible, and there are a lot of them out there that you hear, anytime I, I go back to simply, what do I see in the word? And it takes a little bit of digging. I have to know. I have to, to research and read and ask some questions. I have to figure out what was the original author trying to say? What was the context he was saying it in? What was, what was the message then? And I have to make sure that whatever questions I have, the answers that I seem to be finding, do, are they so when I hold it up to the lens of God's word? Now, it's very interesting, this one verse 11. It simply says they received the word with all eagerness. They examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. And though just doing that is, is what Paul seems to indicate, or Luke, as he's writing this, seems to indicate, made them more noble. Simply men who were, and, and women who were curious enough to listen to what God was telling them. But then they were astute enough to every single day pursue it. And challenge, does this measure God's word? Now, I told you I was going to try to keep this brief. And so I just want to close with this one challenge. And I want to give you a gift that I think will help you, okay? I want to, I want to challenge you as men and women this week, if you do not already do so, to read your Bible every single day this week or to engage God's word every single day this week. Now, if you don't do this, if this is something far from you and you think, I don't even know where to begin, I'm going to give you two uh, different uh, gifts, okay? The first one we've given you before. In fact, if you have uh, your phone, you can go on connectionpoint.life, go to our um, sermon notes um, right now. You can do that. And the first one is the Bible app. I want to point you to the Bible app. Now, the Bible app is something that has been around for a long. We use it in this church all the time, but it's got Bible plans. I, I go through a Bible plan on the Bible app almost at every point in my life so that it's telling me what to read so I don't have to wake up and figure. And I just read through the Bible. And the reason I read through the Bible every single year is because I just like to remember the stories and have them brought to mind. But the real gift I want to give you today is something new to the church that, uh, that we're, we're going to, to give every single person, whether you're a member of this church, and that is, uh, um, that is a subscription to a, a new media um, or a new Bible study media for you called rightnow.org, okay? Now, if you're a member of this church right now, you're receiving an email. You should have already received an email this morning. Um, if not, you can go on connectionpoint.life right now to the sermon notes, and you'll be able to click. And even if you're just a guest and, and you're not a member here, you're not planning on, if you want this, you, you can have this. But basically, rightnow.org is uh, the Netflix of Bible studies, Okay? 
it's a whole bunch of video-driven uh, um, commentaries. It's got Bible studies that you can use in a group. It's got things that you on your personal studies. It's got, uh, if you want to go to a certain topic that I haven't preached on in a while, this is something that you can, that we want to give you and invest in. And understand that um, this is a part of, of uh, our church saying we want to supply you with everything that we can do so that you engage God's word. And the whole point of this sermon is hopefully that you'll take this tool and begin to use it. Because I know there's a lot of you that when it comes to reading, that's not your, the most fun thing. But when it comes to watching Netflix, hey, I could do that. And so we're, we're, we're going to offer this gift as an opportunity for you to sign up, register through Connection Point Church. And like I said, you can even give this to your neighbors. You can give this uh, to your family members, because we, I want to challenge you to find a Bible study. And even if it's just you watching a three-minute video and engaging in a topic that's interesting to you, um, it could be parenthood, fatherhood. There's a, there's a whole bunch of opportunities uh, for this. I want to encourage you this week to engage God's Word in a new way, because I believe that one of the, the, the most important things you can do in your life is to learn to grow on your own, is to learn to read and engage God's word so that you can have a more noble faith. We got eight minutes till it's over, so I'm going to go ahead and close there. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for the investments we've made in this church. And Lord, I pray that as we seek to be obedient to you, as we seek to follow you and know more about who you are, even when we get curious and feel as if maybe this isn't the place we can ask, Lord, I pray that we will never stop seeking you. So, Lord, we just thank you so much that you have given us your word, that we can examine all ideas, that we can examine all teachings, and we can discern whether or not they are true, whether or not they are helpful. And Lord, we never want to be a church that fears truth. Instead, we want to pursue truth. Lord, we thank you so much that as we examine, we know that in all things we have hope. In all things we have a God who loves us and has not abandoned us. So Lord, this week, give us the encouragement. Give us the motivation to seek you daily. See if these things are so. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.